Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today we're joined by Dr. Erica Faulkner, a pediatrician with Northwest Pediatrics in Oklahoma City. Dr. Faulkner is a mom of three and a regular resource for us at Metro Family. She's been walking through, especially this COVID pandemic with us since it began here in early March. She's also a contributor to our new series on family mental wellness. Welcome, Erica. Thank you very much, Erin. I'm glad to be here. And I'm going to add a note for people watching who are wondering why I'm calling you Erica instead of Dr. Faulkner. <laughs> it's only because we have known each other since the beginning of time. That's right. We will save that for a different podcast. <laughs> but all right, let's dive in and talk about so first of all, as a physician, you've really been on the front line of all of this. Um, plus, your husband is a dentist, so you're both in the medical profession. You're juggling careers. You're parenting your three kids. What has it been like for the two of you to juggle all this right now? Well, I think initially, I think everybody goes through their own process with this, and it happens at different times for different people. I think we we process this early. Um, and it's almost like processing grief. You go through stages, you know, you go through the panic, you go through the investigation, you go through the, um, the uh, let up phase to a certain extent. I don't know that all of us are there at that point, but, you know, I think my husband and I both realize that we're both in a field in which we have to put ourselves out there um, and that we're going to be exposed to things. And we've taken that risk. Um, the biggest caveat when you have a family and you can put yourself at risk, but you really are cautious about putting your family at risk. And so I think we've taken a lot more precautions as a family um, to try and limit any exposures to just myself and, and him, you know. Man, it's been, I know it's even more challenging for people like you that are dealing with this in the workplace and then thinking about your little ones at home too. And speaking of um, the insanity of kids and coronavirus, so initially reports we saw were suggesting that kids either weren't as susceptible to the coronavirus or didn't get as sick, but now we're seeing these new reports coming out of at least 14 states now where kids from infants to teens who've either had or been exposed to COVID-19 are developing pediatric multi-system inflammatory syndrome. This is similar to Kawasaki syndrome. And it can happen up to four to six weeks after exposure. Uh, I want to add, this is not being reported in Oklahoma right now, but in New York, we know they're investigating upward of 100 cases. And one in four of these kids have gotten really sick, having to be hospitalized. 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 Man, it's the middle of the day. <laughs> and also another concerning thing is their symptoms aren't necessarily on par with what we've seen in adults with COVID. So Erica, what are you hearing about these cases and new guidelines being re released by the CDC as it concerns kids and COVID? Yeah, I mean, like you said, we haven't seen this in Oklahoma nearly as much. I think that's just a measure of the fact that we haven't seen a high of a percentage of viral illnesses here um, as New York has, you know. Um, uh, as you said, we've seen these type of things before. This is acting just a little bit differently than the typical Kawasaki's We've seen and treated Kawasaki's for years. We know that it's a post-viral inflammatory illness. Um, and the differences are that um, Kawasaki's typically acts in ages, you know, in the early, early, uh, usually under the age of five um, is when we see this in most kids. And this inflammatory illness is acting more 
in the ages of upwards of five. So five to 14 is the age range that we've really seen this the most in. And it can have a variety of, of symptoms, um, anywhere from the typical Kawasaki's of um, rash, um, of high fever for more than five days, um, of big uh, strawberry, we call it strawberry tongues. Tongue gets kind of enlarged and very pink um, and conjunctivitis. So those are the typical things you see with Kawasaki's. Um, but you can also see things um, with low blood pressure or hypotension, almost like a shock in kids. Mm -hmm. um, and that just comes from your circulatory system is inflamed um, and you're kind of having some leaky vessels. So Kawasaki's is a vasculitis. It's, a, it's an inflammation of those vessels. Um, so they can affect different organs. The biggest concern are those end organs. You know, we worry about your liver, we worry about your kidneys, and we worry about your heart. Mm -hmm. um, we have things that we can put in place to help prevent these end organ issues. Um, and there's, there's a variety of stages. I mean, there can be kids who have hardly any symptoms, and then there are kids that are significantly affected. Um, so it's difficult, but the main thing is kids with fever over five days need to be seen 100% of the time. That's good to know. Um, in some cases, uh, these kids may have been asymptomatic or didn't even know that they had coronavirus at all. Um, and even though some kids have gotten extremely sick from this syndrome, and tragically, there have even been a few fatalities, it does appear that this syndrome, potentially brought on by COVID-19, is treatable when it's caught early. Um, you talked a little bit about some of the symptoms to look for and definitely that fever over five days, they need to be seen. Um, any other information that parents need to know about this developing situation? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously you're, you're the best um, at knowledge of your, of your child. You know, if you feel like something is out of the norm, um, go with your gut, go with your instinct and have them seen by your doctor. Um, you know, they're going to be your best resource. Call up to their office, um, go through the things that they're going through. Um, big things is rashes, fatigue, just not acting them like themselves, fever that's persistent. Um, those are the big symptoms with this. Um, and, you know, retrospectively, they're, they're looking at antibody tests to see if kids have had it in the past. It's not the best predictor because um, some of those tests are coming back negative. Um, but again, I don't know how well we're, the tests are catching everything. You know, this is so new that most of the time when we do these tests for other things, we've had so much experience in trial and error that our tests are really, really good. Um, we're not at that place yet. You know, and so um, I think knowing that those tests um, are um, somewhat uh, not 100% um, isn't going to be given your, your greatest answer. That's good to know. So just knowing that this is a developing situation, knowing what those symptoms are, and we'll put a list of those on our website, and that kids are just reacting differently to COVID than adults. Right. So if you have any concerns at all, even if you don't know that your kid's been exposed, like you said, your pediatrician is going to be your best course of action. 100%. So putting on both your doctor and your mom hats, um, what's your pulse on COVID-19 in Oklahoma City right now? Do you feel hopeful about the direction we're moving? Is it too early to feel hopeful? And especially in light of, of these new concerns surrounding kids and COVID, how do you feel moving forward? I feel hopeful. I think that we're at a, 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 we're, you know, I don't think that we're on the downward slope. I think we're at a plateau. 
Um, and so I don't see that we're having as many new cases um, over the last course of the last few days um, and week even. But I think that being at a plateau doesn't mean that we necessarily be, need to be cavalier. Um, and so um, even if things are opening, I think being cautious is going to be the number one, um, number one thing you know, continuing to wash our hands frequently, encouraging our kids to wash our, their hands frequently, um, wearing masks when we're out in public, continuing to social distance, despite the fact that we're all sick of being home and sick of our kids yelling at each other. And we want so badly to go out and have a normal existence. I think that um, slow is the best way to go with this until we kind of get a handle on, it, are we gonna have another peak? Um, but we just need to be cautious um, and, and try to do th normal things again, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. So that's a perfect segue as, as we're moving through these phases of reopening the state. We know some families are going to choose to stick close to home. Some are just ready to get out, like you said, and enjoy the community. Is it safe to go in public with your kids right now? And if you're going to be out, uh, what precautions do you need to take? And, and especially what kind of conversations do you need to have with your kids to make sure they understand those expectations? Right, absolutely. This is a scary time for kids. They, they, a lot of kids don't understand this. I mean, we ourselves are not the best at understanding this. Um, as you know, we're, we're, we're hearing all different things about what we should do. And I think that it, those differences have a lot to do with geographic location. People in New York are going to be at a different place than we are here um, at this point. So I think going out and doing things, especially outside, the weather's much better than it was when we initially started this going out to, um, to go camp, um, going fishing, um, enjoying hiking, those kind of things that maybe you haven't done or haven't, you know, enjoyed previously, getting out to do some of those things in small, you know, with your family um, is, is, is the thing to do. Now, I would still be cautious about, you know, going places where um, you're going to be around a lot of people or in close quarters with kids. I think as an adult, those are decisions you can make on your own. You know how to keep yourself safe. With kids, it's not as easy because they may not understand that they don't need to touch everything um, and then pick their nose or stick their hands in their mouth. And so it, it, when it comes to kids, I'm a little more cautious in taking them into places where they could run into or be exposed to more people. Yeah, for sure. Um, and on that note, we know a lot of restaurants are opening up, churches, museums, uh, sports leagues, we were just talking about that, are resuming. Some summer camps are going to be opening in the coming weeks. Um, so what kinds of these activities and venues do you feel are safe for families to enjoy? And which ones should parents be pretty cautious about right now? I think things where you're not going to be in contact with a lot of people. Um, you know, it's yet to be seen what some of the, the camps are um, proposing um, as to their precautions that they're going to put in place. You know, a lot of camps um, hopefully will be limiting their large group activities, um, keeping it in small groups, um, you know, still with some social distancing in mind. Um, obviously, you can't be 100% with that when you've got, you know, one te team leader in the group with seven or eight kids. Um, but continuing to wash hands frequently, I think, is going to be the biggest um, continued um, encouragement among kids. Um, but trying to get back to a normal life is important, too, because, you know, although this affects our health, our mental health is just important. Mm -hmm. And we need to start doing some normal things, but in a different way, you know, learning to, to 
to change how we go about our socialization um, is difficult because we really just want to get back out there and everything go back to normal. Yeah, that's so true. And, and making that shift with kids is hard, but you're right. We've been feeling those effects in, in our house that at some point for our mental health, we need to figure out how can we as a family acclimate back into the community in a way that we feel good about in a way that, that feels safe for us. Um, and on that note, we know a lot of businesses are putting in additional protocols to keep families safe, whether that's uh, museums, attractions, restaurants. So before you visit an attraction, a state park, a venue with your kids, what should you be looking for in terms of best practices or what questions might you want to ask beforehand to ensure that they are following the best protocols? I think just looking at the guidelines that they put in place, go on their website, see, see what they are doing. Um, hopefully they're posting things that are changing. Um, just like the zoo, you have to schedule, you can only go one direction, um, those kind of things so that you kind of know what to expect when you get there. Um, and you can prepare your kids for that too, because you know they're going to expect when they're going to a familiar place that things that they did before they can do again. So giving them some insight into what's going to be different um, can help preempt that a little bit so that you don't feel like you're having to chase after them if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, but looking at those kind of things, seeing their cleaning guidelines, if they're posting that, how often they're cleaning places. Um, a lot of places are limiting the number of people that can be um, at a certain location, limiting the distance, how many people can gather at a certain place at a certain time. Um, and, and those kind of things. And the biggest thing with all of this is we all want to do things the way we've done them before. And we expect that things are gonna go as smoothly as they have previously. The biggest thing that I can say is to just try to have an abundance of patience, which is not easy with all of this, um, because this is new for the businesses and it's new for us as consumers too. Um, and so there's gonna be some growing pains when it comes to these kind of things because they're putting in place things that they've never experienced or thought of having to do before. Um, and so patience and kindness. Um, and if you have a suggestion for a business, you know, try to say it in a thoughtful way because they're trying to do the best they can. Um, and, and just adapting, being adaptable um, and flexible um, is going to be the key. That's such great advice for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally going to take that to heart. Um, what about vacations? Summer vacations are something that families look forward to every year. Um, so when it comes to road trips, day trips, is it possible to still enjoy some modified vacation safely? And if so, what should you keep in mind? Yeah, I think that that's definitely the case. I think exploring our state, you know, things that are easily that you can drive to are going to be your best bet at this point. Because like I said, Oklahoma is going to be different than going to the the northeast or even the west coast and so um you know if you're visiting family in those locations and you know that you're going to be limited to seeing those people you know you can get around that to a certain extent but i think your best bet is going to be um going out and seeing our state and seeing um other places that are close to us um you know and and being prepared that's going to be your number one thing if you're going to go out of state you need to know what the restrictions are you need to know if they're if you're going to be able to get food as you drive um, from state to state, you know, packing food, packing and preparing um, are going to be your best bet. But I think getting out and enjoying the weather um, and still vacationing as a family, getting a change of scenery is going to be important for our mental health. So true. Um, 
another place that families have to visit often, whether they want to or not, is the pediatrician's office. I know your office has made some changes. You've shifted your schedule around so that you're only taking well visits at certain times and sick visits at another time. Plus, you now are offering telemedicine visits. So for parents who are trying to decide if they need to bring their kids in to the doctor, what kinds of symptoms and situations can be mitigated through those televisits? And if they need to come into the office, what advice do you have for doing that safely to limit their exposure? Absolutely. Well, telemedicine works best with visual diagnoses. And so rashes, conjunctivitis, things that we can see um, and give you a, a pretty definitive diagnosis just from looking at you is going to be your best bet. Also, you know, some respiratory things we can help. We can see how fast kids are breathing. We can see if they're in distress. We can give you guidance on whether or not you need to come in. And so the telehealth visit may not give us 100% of what we need, but it may give us guidance. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. Behavioral health, ADHD appointments, um, things of that nature are going to be great because most of those are conversational anyway. Um, we're still doing all of our well checks in person because obviously a physical exam isn't going to be that um, great over telehealth. Um, we do try to get some of those things and, you know, we always encourage parents to have a flashlight and things that they can give us, know their temperature and their weight, um, and that's going to, that can give us a little bit um, of help, but um, those are the best things that telehealth can bring us. Um, you know, we're expanding a little bit more as we start um, to feel comfortable with it, but these are things that we've never done before. Um, and so it's just a difference um, for us and we're trying to navigate that. Um, and so things may change um, over the course of time, but in our office, you know, we're trying to um, keep people safe by keeping the well visits, like you said, and the sick visits separate. Um, you know, kids that may have an illness that isn't necessarily a contagious thing, um, we may see it at a different time as well. Um, but limiting the number of people you bring with you into the office is going to be important because we want to limit the number of people and exposures that might be there. Um, and so trying to keep um, other siblings um, at home if you can, which is not always possible and we understand that. Um, having one, only one parent come with you at a time um, is helpful as well. Um, you know, wearing masks, washing hands. Um, we try to limit the exposure in the waiting room. As soon as you get there, we're bringing you back. Um, we're trying to limit the sick visits, not even going through the waiting room. They come through the back door so that there's not any cross-contamination there. Um, and so those are the kind of things that I would be mindful of when you're, when you're having to visit, that we're doing the best we can to keep and limit exposures. But again, the fewer number of people, the more cautious you are about hand washing and cleaning is going to be important too. You guys have done a really great job figuring all of this out on the fly. And like you said, you're, you're doing things in a way that you've never even thought you would have to before. Um, but you've also done a really good job, I think, of communicating what you're doing and how you're keeping families safe to, to your patients' families. And I know um, you're my favorite doctor's office. <laughs> and as a mom, I've really appreciated just knowing what, what you're doing and the steps you're taking so that if I need to bring my kids in, I do feel comfortable and confident that it's the safest environment possible. And, and I've also had the experience since March of talking with nurses over the phone to decide whether or not I need to bring them in. So kudos to you guys on a, on a really fantastic job of, of morphing and, and figuring all of this out amidst COVID. 
<laughs> well, thanks. You know, communication is the key. Communication with, with our staff, communication with uh, all of the physicians in our office, and communication with our patients. You know, um, when we're all on the same page, it leaves less to the to to question. Um, and so, social media has done um, great things for those for those. Um, that communication because it's not as easy um, to email everyone or to text everyone um, to update information. But social media is a great platform in this stance because we can tell people, hey, this is what you're gonna expect when you come to our office. Um, and I think it leaves a lot, it, it helps ease worry um, when you're going to an environment that you're just unsure of. Sure. Well, thanks for joining me today, Erica, for sharing your wisdom and advice for parents as we try to navigate the next several months and I'll try to make the best decisions possible for our families. And we will be watching for your column in our mental wellness series coming out in June. It's about anxiety in kids, which is a relevant topic all the time, but maybe even more important right now. 100%. I mean, we all feel it for, for sure. So, Absolutely. Thanks everyone for watching. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.